I'm instantly yawning. Oh my goodness. Oh no. Oh boy. It's it's weird. The time change has happened. Yep. It's really only seven o'clock. But I'm super tired. <laughs> it's uh, Yeah, I I just started working like an earlier shift this week. Okay. So Ooh, great week to do it, eh? <laughs> yeah, oh gosh. So instead of, you know, like starting at seven, I'm I guess starting at six in the old time. Oh wow, so, you start really early. Yeah, I start seven now, seven to three. Um, Dude, that's that's worth it. Would you agree? Honestly, you like it's better? I have so much more energy in the day. Um yeah. it's been fantastic. If you'd asked me in high school if I'd choose like a seven to three shift or an eleven to seven shift, I probably would have gone for the one that let me sleep in. But uh, but now it's oh, it's so you, uh, yeah I kind of had you were a, doing a, eleven to seven before. I I was doing like a mix of shifts of oh, okay. like okay. some eleven to seven, some seven to three. Um, and then, yeah, now, now I'm doing just the seven to three, which is, yeah, it's nice to have that consistency. It is. It makes, it makes you know, like how much time you have in the day. Um, yep. and I work so much better once I like, I work so much better in the early part of the day and yep. getting up and going at early day. Yep is just so much so much yeah. better for me so especially if you work from home right it's so much easier yeah. to roll out of bed at 6 45 and start your day pretty much then you know if you were working like a nine to five and, and commuting you'd have to be out of bed that time anyways probably or at least yeah you know, spend an hour and a half getting ready and getting to work so well that's pretty cool yeah wow and then you have so much free time after three o'clock you get your whole day still. I, I, I have enough time to like cook if I wanted to. Mm. Um, I, in theory, could go out and go for a walk. Um, theoretically. Theoretically, you know. <laughs> so, yeah, no, it's it's a uh, it's been good. I've had a lot of energy this wow. week, which has been nice. Very cool. Yeah. Um, should we should we get started on the episode? I think we should. Let's do it. Let's hit the theme song. Well, hello, everyone, and welcome to the Velvet Room Review. I'm Matthew. And I'm Graham. And uh, as we promised, this is an episode on the video game Ghost Trick. The Phantom Detective, which is the subject, mm-hmm. and I believe this game came out in 2010? 20, yeah, 2010. So it's 10 years, a little over 10 years old. I think it came out December 2010? Uh, no, January 2011. So I oh, so. must have played it like practically right on its birthday. Wow, happy birthday. Or Ghost just just before its birthday. So, yeah, celebrating yeah. the 10-year anniversary of Ghost Trick inadvertently um, mm. with a review. Uh, it came yeah. out on the DS originally, 
and then also released for iOS. Um, it looks like about six months later. Um, I could see it being a good iOS title. It was a really bad iOS port. I'll be honest. Oh, was it? That's a lame. Um, That's and it also hasn't been updated since 2012. So, uh, or I guess it must have been updated at some point because it runs on modern hardware now. But uh, they essentially like cut the frame rate in half, uh, presumably to make it run on the less powerful hardware of the time. But oh, but the game runs so smoothly. It does. And, like the animations. Yeah. yeah. So, um. For for the listeners who might not have heard of Ghost Trick, because it is a bit of a niche title, uh, it is a kind of point-and-click DS detective mystery kind of game where you play as a ghost who is trying to figure out why he was killed um, on the night of his murder, and you only have one day or you have until sunrise, uh, and then you'll be gone forever. And so that mm-hmm. sets into events all of these interesting mysteries, and you meet a whole cast of characters. Um, yeah. I-, I played this game back when it came out. Uh, so, uh, yeah, Matt, uh, wh- how did you feel about Ghost Trick? Um, I think overall I liked it. I think... Um, it took me a little bit to get into it just because, uh, I don't know, it, I wouldn't say it necessarily grabbed me at first. Um, although I think it was very consistent the whole way through in regards to, uh, quality. I think it built quality wise as the game uh, went along. Um, but one thing I did remark while playing is just how I feel like the 3DS and previous handheld consoles, like, gave birth to such unique titles Mm. and i i guess it was a bit of a lamenting of like i think games like this are going to go away (laughs) um particularly because you know it uses the dual screen the touchpad uh those key features of of the the 3ds and like a mobile game but uh yeah i liked it quite a lot i thought it was uh well written well presented uh well animated um and yeah, if it it they did a very good job. I feel uh, within the individual chapters of pacing it well. Um, I think the game maybe went on for one or two chapters too many, or there were some I would say you could probably mm-hmm. reduce. But uh, overall, um, I enjoyed it. Yeah, no, that's good. That's uh, I feel a lot of the same way. Like it's. It's interesting because yeah, that there is it is representative of that really kind of imaginative era, um, and and there is still movement to the same like imagination in like the indie scene, of course, um, but yeah. but there was something about the DS uh, and the 3DS, the DS especially for me that some of my favorite games came from that system in that generation. Um, yeah. Like, uh, there's this, there's Radiant Historia, which is a fantastic DS RPG. Um, Ooh. it doesn't really use the, the, the two screens to a huge amount, but it was still like a fantastic game. Um, Kid Icarus Uprising, 
um, like even stuff like Phantom Hourglass. I can still remember some of the the gimmicks from yeah. Phantom Hourglass that were yeah. just really impressive. Um, I don't know. There, there's something about that era of games that's uh, very nostalgic for me. <laughs> I suppose. Um, yeah, for sure. Well, like like the. I don't know. I remember being a kid when the 2DS came out and it felt a little silly. Like, why do you need two screens? Like, that's just silly. But the mm-hmm. way in which, you know, the games on the DS had to utilize those screens, uh, I think really benefited a lot of the games that were on it. And it gave, it gave it a really unique experience because obviously on the PSP or the Vita, you wouldn't have that extra piece of hardware to incorporate into your game. And so it, you know, it, it allows, it allowed developers to kind of try something different mm-hmm. uh, and, and present like the UI or the game mechanics in a, in a, uh, a more, I guess, uh, in, in a way that allowed for more variety, if you will. Yeah. I think so. like the two screens kind of made up for the low resolution and the low like hardware yeah. power. So yeah. it um they had to they had to be a little more creative. Um and yeah. oftentimes you'd have stuff where like the UI was on one screen and the gameplay's on the other. Um this game yeah. and to be honest Yeah. Sorry, go ahead. Go ahead. Uh like this game, to be honest, doesn't really use the two screens all that much. Um it uses mostly one screen to display UI and then everything else happens on the touch screen because it's uh, so pivotal to the gameplay. Yeah, yeah, um, that's fair. But uh, yeah, <laughs> yeah, I, I I think it works obviously you know better for some titles than others. But uh, like uh, to me, it's weird now to play a Pokemon game and not have that lower screen um, mm. to to run you know all the um, the battle commands. You know, the battle commands, the backpack, uh, things of that nature. Um, so yeah, it's uh it's definitely um like I said more but better suited for some t- titles than others. And you're right. Now that I r- recall back, it's like I never really recall using the top screen all that much. <laughs> uh, no, it uh, so, yeah, it shows you objects and some things. Some things is important because it'll show you like the shape and orientation of certain objects, uh, which is in- instrumental in certain puzzles. Um, but mostly it's there just like the iPad version actually gets away of just having it as a, like a, a vertical bar on the side, um, which is a little awkward to look at, but it, uh, gets the job done. Right. Um, yeah. I'll be honest. Like this is probably one of my favorite games. Uh, oh, okay. Yeah. Like I really loved this game, uh, growing up and it's funny cause I think I've only played through it um a handful of times part of it has to do like you were saying uh the pacing at the beginning is kind of rough um like the first the first chapter i must have played through a half dozen times and then i would get to the end of the first chapter and i would stop because i i don't know like the the pacing was a little rough um now i'm able to get through it i was able to like push through and it was amazing the number of things that I didn't remember about the game. Um, mm. Like I remembered that, and of course there's going to be spoilers here because this is a very, uh, 
story-heavy game, and I would personally recommend <laughs> playing it. Um, but, uh, like, certain... Like, the identity of the lamp and the identity of the main character, those were things that I could remember. Uh, I could remember, like, Missile and the chicken dinner uh, place and, like, certain key locations. But a lot of the story beats I forgot. So it was mm-hmm. actually like replaying the game like for the first time almost for me. Um, I could remember some pivotal scenes, but and I, I remember that they went on the ship at some point, but I couldn't remember when. Uh, but yeah, it's um, honestly like I I love this game. It's so I love the the aesthetic and the like the tone of the game. Uh, the music is fantastic. The animation probably was one of the things that first got me interested in video game animation um, hmm. because it is so fluid and so interesting. Um, yeah. And I played this game before I played like the Ace Attorney games. I think it's the same studio or it's the same team, similar teams, one or the other. Um, but yeah, there's, there's just a lot about this game that I, I very much enjoy. Yeah, I think it's the so. creator of the Ace Attorney series that created this game. Uh, director, maybe. Uh, I, hmm. I was doing yeah. some reading up. There's the some director. relation to, like, yeah, yeah, yeah. The, the higher-ups, if you will. Um, yeah, I, like you said, I think, um, like, for a DS game, like, the, the characters have very distinct and, and fluid uh, animations that obviously provide some personality, but also help uh, really set the tone for uh, some of the characters and like some of the, I guess like the moods of the, of the, some scenes. Like I, early on, there was I there were a lot of like what I would call like comedic animations, like mm-hmm. like your body slumping over and like falling off uh, the balcony and like the garbage uh, facility, uh, and then um, there's of course like Inspector Cabanella's mm-hmm. like. Uh, very <laughs> unique movements, uh, but also then it, they also led lended itself very well to like what I would argue would be real, was like really spooky in regards to like the real Sissel uh, or uh, whatever uh, Yomai Yomiel Yomi? Yomiel like when he rises from the dead like very spooky Ooh, yeah <laughs> uh, yeah just like yeah um, unnatural level of like uh, human movement. But um, it really uh, helped to set the tone in, in a way that, like, I thought was pretty unique for that era of uh, mobile games, if you will. Yeah, yeah. It has it has a very strong, consistent tone of this, like, flipping between, quite honestly, kind of goofy um, sections, and then yeah. this fairly serious story of, like... Like there's always the crime that was happened ten years ago that's pivotal to the rest of the story. <laughs> um, but yeah, there's this this interesting tale of redemption, of um, like figuring out who you are and what you do in different situations. Um, family. So, yeah, the um, yeah, go for it. Uh, and I forgot what I was going to say. <laughs> oh. Oh. Um, 
No, I, I, I think, um, again, I think it, one thing I liked about the game is that it didn't clutter up the levels with unnecessary stuff necessarily. Mm-hmm. And it wasn't necessarily about like, there, there was a little bit of like figuring out, okay, what do I need to interact with? What do I need to manipulate? Yes. Um, to solve the puzzle. But it was also a matter of, okay, when is the right time to do these things? And to make these movements. Mm-hmm. And I, I would argue, I think the reason the beginning feels a little bit slow, I, in my opinion, is that you start off with just a couple of deaths right off, like one following another. And in the later chapters, you might not necessarily have to deal with a death, but uh, some other situation that you need to avoid or manipulate or investigate. Mm-hmm. And um, that yeah. makes it uh, stay a little more fresh, in my in my opinion. Um the plot I would argue a bit it, more. Yeah, yeah. Uh, you get more invested and stuff like that. And uh, they do a, a really good job of like introducing characters early on that are seemingly like just side characters, but end up being major characters uh, towards later in the story. Um, so there's like no character that's not important, which is interesting. Um, I would argue it could maybe benefit from, I don't know if you would agree. Uh, a way to manipulate time that's player controlled. Um, yeah, I mean, there was some times where, like, you're just waiting for things to happen. Is that what you're kind of thinking? Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, or like, yeah, you're just waiting, or you realize something, and then you have to, like, at the very end, and you have to wait the whole uh, sequence over again. Um, so. Uh, yeah. It's, yeah, that's um, that's more what I'm thinking. Yeah, if you got to the end and you realize, oh. I needed to do this back there when his back was turned. Yes. And... yes. Yeah. Um, yeah. That being said, the game does provide you with a lot of hints. Uh, it, it, uh, it'll tell you some, most of the time that, you know, you've missed something or uh, you're maybe on the wrong track. It might try and uh, like the main characters might try and give you a little hint of like, oh, okay, maybe I should try, you know, doing something when, this instant ha- instance happens. There's a lot of optional dialogue that you can get. Yes. Yes, absolutely. Mm-hmm. Wait, and some of it's quite amusing too. There's there's a really <laughs> amusing quirk where like so they're all like Sissel, the main character, has like he's a ghost. So when he talks to people, he just kind of like goes directly into their mind kind of thing. And mm-hmm. when he's doing that, he he can't really think just to himself, but he still does it. But everyone can hear him. Right. He can they can hear his internal <laughs> thoughts. And every once in a while, someone will comment on it, and he'll be like, "Oh wait, no, I can't. Oh no." <laughs> uh, and I I just I love it. Yeah. Um, yeah. The the I think my favorite is sharp. Oh, go ahead. No, you go. Yeah, for yeah, it. It, it certainly is. Yeah, I was gonna say I think my favorite. Uh, portion is in the chicken diner place uh when uh that waitress comes over and uh i forget the exact precise wording but uh then i'll go like oh what an odd girl and uh and says like yeah i agree and then they and they bring it back later again with the two uh spies or whatever yeah it's like i'm trying to remember precisely what they say it was like odd girl yeah, strange. And then there's a third one. It's like, yeah, strange. And then like, yeah, I, I know exactly what you mean. Um, yeah, yeah, yeah. So, 
great little callback. Um, I I really enjoyed all of the characters, pretty much all the characters in the game. Uh, like like mm-hmm. you said, there's a really wide cast, but a lot of them have uh, like distinct reasons for being there. Um, yes. Like there's Lynn, who's um, oh gosh, what's what's her thing? She's trying to clear the detective's name. Um, and uh, then uh, we've got to mention Missile at some point. Uh, mm. There's Detective Jowd. Uh, there's Missile, who's a prom- Pomeranian, um, and he's he's the best. Um, I, I'm I'm probably just going to, to gush a lot, so I'm going to rely on you for more critical analysis, because uh, I do have <laughs> a little bit of rose-tinted glasses, um, although I am pretty impressed at how well it held up in my mind, to how well it, like, to what it is uh, looking at, trying to look at it even with a little bit more of a critical eye. Um. Yeah. Yeah, it it, it held up very well for a, a ten year old game. Um. I, uh, I I would agree with that. Um. Again, I don't think there's many negatives I have about the game. Mm-hmm. Um. So. Um. I guess that's the that's the thing, right? It's that. It's it's almost like it it wraps itself up very in a very neat package. There's no room for like a sequel really. Um, it's very self-contained, which I like. Um, yes, but I don't know. I don't know how much there is to explore necessarily on each of the themes. Um, yeah, I would argue it kind of, if if I had to fault the game anywhere, I think it the narrative splits near the end. Um, a couple of times that I I found to be a bit like this disjointed. Oh, like when it's suddenly you're in the boat. That yeah, like that makes sense because you're following along this this path because the game sets up like there's a conspiracy, something's happening. Uh, there's national security involved. There's some sort of manipulator happening. So, like, it builds really well on each of these, like, kind of beats, one mystery to another, as you start to see the more grand scope of, of what's happening. And then, you know, it, the the grand scheme is revealed, who, who this manipulator is, how he has his powers. He's working with this foreign nation. Um, but instead of, like, that plot line resolving... The final chapter has you going back and um, saving the life of the manipulator so that none of those could ever happen. So you just kind of the the resolution of that plot line just kind of dissipates, mm. um, which is kind of like, I guess, just an issue with time travel. Um, but uh, yeah, that, that to me kind of felt a little off because it was going like, you know, OK, who am I? Uh, what's happening with all these uh, incidents that Lynn's getting in? What's this case she's investigating? Oh, it's Detective Jowd. Uh, is he innocent? Is he guilty? What's the story there? Mm-hmm. And then it's like, oh, you, who you think you are is actually the bad guy. And that was very compelling. Mm-hmm. And, and furthermore, like, he, 
the bad guy's aware of your presence and like interacts with you and for me that was really compelling because like whenever a game does that it gives me the heebie-jeebies <laughs> so like it really it really drew me in like oh the character in game is referencing me the player it turns and faces um, the camera yes yeah and so they make they make him out very well in my opinion to be like a pretty sinister villain and then like in the next chapter he's like on your side and you are working to save him because <laughs> he is a victim but um so it, it just felt like that those last couple of chapters kind of like flipped a couple of times and what uh the narrative was or was going to be so i found that just to be a a, a touch disjointed that's fair yeah no i could i can see that like there it it gets to a point and then the the yeah like you said it just kind of stops and we go on this alternate timeline um yeah. And like the the villain gets his redemption moment um of he saves Jowd and the girl. Um and then it, it just kinda it has its um it wraps up with its nice happy ending. Um Yeah. No, I could see I could see that. Like I didn't really uh think of that before. The the villains are uh like so there's the the like the antagonist i suppose there's you uh or yomiel um mm-hmm. and then there's also this group these group of kind of comical villains uh which they were fun antagonists for each chapter but i suppose yeah they they really didn't um have much depth to them or like the result resolution besides them just being like they're evil people and uh, they want the power for nefarious deeds. Yeah, they were very like Saturday morning cartoon villains. Mm-hmm. Um, mm-hmm. Not to say that they were bad. I think like nearsighted Jigo and uh, one step ahead Tengo. I think are still like some of my favorites. He like when when the one step ahead uh, is it one step ahead? I'll go with that. Uh, he's talking to the boss and he's like being one step ahead of the boss and talking about like promotions and stuff and it's it's just uh, it's great yeah um there's a lot of really funny dialogue in the game uh really compelling dialogue mm-hmm. um it uh it's neat I've, I've also been playing a game recently called uh 13 sentinels um Korea. Which also deals with time travel. What? Nothing. Nothing. You just. I've also been playing this game called Genshin Impact. Oh, I Um, haven't heard that. No. Okay. So let me tell you about it. No. Um, I am still playing that game though. It it deals with time travel in an interesting way. Of there's like different periods in history that they travel between, but it's as if the flow of time progresses the same through each period um so if you make a change in one period it doesn't necessarily affect what happens in the other because they're almost traveling along parallel lines um Hmm. which is a really interesting way of doing time travel it's it's less about a butterfly effect and more about like like jumping between these different eras Hmm. interesting yeah it's a a different approach to it. 
Yeah, th I like that this game didn't really touch on the time travel aspect too much. Because, like, you as, you as the character like, can travel, like, four minutes before anybody anybody's death and mm -hmm. witness the events and try to change uh, their fate. Um, and then halfway through the game, they, like, indicate, like, okay, you can go back even further if you if there's another dead body in that time mm -hmm. frame so like you could ethereally like jump from person to person to person uh, backwards um so that, that's kind of like the climax of the game is you jump back 10 years to uh save the antagonist uh Yomiyo, um and like and and, and totally change the lives of uh lynn and uh jowed and all of that mm -hmm. um i did have one question graham so okay. in the game um uh jowd's wife and camilla's mother yes accidentally is accidentally is killed by camilla yes um did yomio cause that or was it just an accident yomio caused it because he Are you... he turned like he set up the gun and he also turned the cupid. So, but did he he manipulate Camilla into doing that? Because he indicated to Sissel that he was not able to um, interact with objects. Um, I I guess he must have. Uh, I'm trying to remember now, but that that must have been like when he possesses people. I don't remember if he they remember that they've been possessed. No that because he did he possessed the the justice minister and he remembered yeah see because like because uh oh man no because his and... powers changed over time oh did they yeah they got they got stronger and he wasn't able to manipulate objects anymore oh okay i must have missed that line okay yeah i'm yeah. pretty sure that's what it was yeah so you re yeah as you go through the game um you meet a couple other well you meet you meet Yomiel who has powers and then you also meet Missile the Pomeranian <laughs> who has powers and but Missile has different powers um yes which I think were a good way to like um freshen up the gameplay though I argue I would argue it probably happens too late in the game um yeah good I don't know if you would agree with that I'd say good at least half the game you're playing with just yourself and then you get into the like the deepening of like going into different loops within the loop and then the missile yeah. shows up um yeah i think he's is his first appearance in the park i think it is so that's like two-thirds yep. of the way that's through right. the game maybe yeah yeah about 10 chapters it's, in. it's chapter it's chapter 14 13 oh really that it's late pretty, it's it's pretty late in yeah the game's about 18 chapters so it, it's it's over two thirds of the game, yeah. Um, I would argue it, it, the game probably could have used one more missile type character that had abilities that were a bit different. Um, because that's when like, because it, it, it again, it's a game where you know you, you master your abilities and you understand like how they work and how to utilize them to solve puzzles. And then you, in theory, kind of want to add an additional challenge or, or some new mechanic in there to freshen up the puzzle solving. And with Missile, they do that. And Missile has powers uh, like he can reach farther and 
swap objects of similar sizes around um, an area. So you, like you have to be working in time and in, uh, controlling both missile and sisal. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Uh, you know, to, to manipulate the, the scenery. So like having even a, a chapter or two with Yomiel where he could, maybe you could use his powers to influence one or two puzzles, I think would be, would have been pretty hmm. interesting. Uh, especially cause like Yomiel's powers seem so like, uh, sinister or like uh, grand it would have been interesting to like utilize them for good hmm yeah he really only we only really see him use his powers once at the end for like in the same sort of manner as we do like right um, also i think it's great when you think about the fact that it's it's a cat and a dog working together yes so Sissel a missile. Sissel a missile. Yeah. Missiles. Yeah. What did you think of the reveal that Sissel was a cat all along? Um, I thought it was fine. Um, it's hard for me to judge because, like, I've known for so long that right. it's right. it's something that I just kind of have accepted at this point. Um. I think it's it's kind of tragic that that it's the way that it happened, and it makes sense narratively why it happened. And uh, I guess so. Yomiel picked up Sissel in the park ten years ago, and he grew up from a kitten into a, a cat. So Sissel like would have been fairly old for a cat, or like middle aged. I don't know how long cats live, um, but yeah, it um, narratively it makes a lot of sense why, like, or like in 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 the context of the narrative, and it it makes sense, and there is that like consistency which I like of he was near the object of power, he was near the meteorite when he died, therefore this is what happened. Um, right. So yeah, uh, how did you find feel about it? Yeah, I liked that. Like the clues were there in regards to like Sissel having a briefcase uh, in the first chapter. That's like in the environment and stuff like that. Um, uh, yeah, and I and I and I liked the reveal that like it's not really powers of the dead. That's just one big lie. It's got to do with the meteorite and like those who die near it. Mm -hmm. um, I think I think the cat reveal was fine. What I thought was a little odd was the um, double missile reveal and the idea that it's like a third timeline that's taken place. Oh, because um, it's because uh, Ray is um, old missile. Old missile. Yes. Um, I think the Ray character could have better been used by... I was actually expecting, like, Jowd's wife to show up in some capacity. Okay. Um, or some other character. I, I, to me, it was just a little odd that, like, okay, so it's... This sequence of events has happened once, and then Missile 
got the powers, tried to convince you one other time already, and you declined. And now this is like his third attempt at doing so. Mm. So, um, I don't know. That felt like tacked on at the very end. <laughs> okay. Yeah. Like... Which, which I mean, sorry. Um, like, Ray's identity was something I wanted to know. I guess I just wasn't really satisfied with the answer. Okay. That's fair. Um, I guess now that I think about it, yeah, like, they didn't have to reveal his identity or he could have been anyone. Um, I do like the idea that had Sissel not been given the direction that he would have acted selfishly um, because he right. isn't, he isn't a righteous character um, in a lot of ways. Like he is selfish. He doesn't, he doesn't want to see anyone die. But if it has the choice between his own self-preservation and some and something else, like I think that idea that like he would have chosen himself over others, but then decided like to to choose others over himself is kind of interesting. Um, mm-hmm. And like it, it does show a little bit of like growth for missile of. Or it, it adds an interesting layer of, um, like, Missile. Like, we knew Missile was dedicated to a fault. Mm. But now to see that he's so dedicated to saving his master and and all, and all after everything that went down, that he waited 10 years for another chance. Like, mm. that's, uh, I don't know, that... It was uh, it was really touching. Mm. So, uh, the... you just like you just like missile with a beard. That's all. <laughs> shaggy, shaggy missile. Missile, yeah. <laughs> True. Um, I have I wrote down he's and it's funny because it tran it uh, auto corrected sizzle to sizzle. Um, mm. but I said he's he's selfish but not ungracious. So, yeah. Yeah, I, I, don't, I don't know if I fully agree with that sentiment. I think I think early on, like, he makes it clear, like, hey, Lynn, I can't help you because unless you help me because I need to find out who I am, who I am before I die. Yeah. For good. Um, But I think I think he definitely goes. He leans heavily into like, OK, I have to save uh, Camilla and Jowd and all these other people like as he gets to know Lin more because mm-hmm. like it's not it's not like he and Lin are best buds right at the start no um they more use each other for their own purposes yeah so well, I think I think I would argue he, he starts out that way but finds uh finds that it's more important to um help the people in need necessarily than solve his mystery yes because eventually he kind of does set that aside. Um, not not entirely, but he does. He prioritizes the people around him, which yes, yeah, yeah. So he kind of he starts out with a lot more of a cat like attitude. Of mm. he's going to be selfish. He's just like thinking of himself, um, and then he grows to, you know, attached to the people around him. Mm-hmm. Um. One, it's interesting because he he views himself as a human for most of the game, and so mm-hmm. 
I imagine he kind of acts how he thinks a human would act. Mm-hmm. So, and like how he thinks that Yomiel acts. Yeah, and and I think it's a good um, that reveal that he's a cat makes additional sense as to why he doesn't know a lot of things. Like he yeah. doesn't know what certain objects are or what certain words mean. Well, he can't read, right? He also can't read, right? Yeah. <laughs> um, yeah, very true. Which, uh, yeah, it's uh, there were there were a couple moments where I'm like, how do you know what that is, but not that? Um, <laughs> but you know, it's that's yeah. the issue of an amnesia kind of plot. Yeah. How do you? How do you know what a, a locked door is, but you don't know what a, a loaf of bread is kind of thing? <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Um, yeah, I think like one, one thing that uh, really kind of struck me on this playthrough is just the attention to detail, um, especially in the animations. In there's... <clears throat> there's there's a significant amount of like this like detailed care put into the characters the environments the animations <clears throat> the uh the thing that i can remember right now is the do you remember how there's like the blue and the green policeman yes um they're like cabanellas uh I keep on wanting to say cabanera but that's a type of dish um <laughs> wonder no they're not based off dishes no but um yeah basically the one the blue person who's climb trying to climb up the ladder a bit more snaps to attention once cabanel is there and then the green guy turns around and slowly lifts his hand up um or the doctor who's got the bird on his head that he mm -hmm. like lowers his hand down and the bird jumps off of his head and then the bird pecks on uh, like the person to wake him up uh there's all these little character details um or like the the way that that the lady does the typing uh on her typewriter um there's so many little detailed touches to this game that uh mm -hmm. i really came to appreciate this time around mm -hmm. yeah it uh it really kind of it's interesting because you think that this team if it's if it is the same team um it's created by the same director i'm not sure if it was the same team but their attention to detail was like they had detailed um backdrops and some very good animation but it was very static um where this is a very kinematic kind of game of mm. things are moving around there's cause and effect uh <clears throat> in the environment take a drink yeah that's a great point where you know ace attorney is more about um the wordplay and the evidence and like clues and things like that this is like you said it's about the environment uh timing and like placement mm -hmm. and uh making things happen making things move um instead of you know 
you solve the puzzle by doing, not necessarily by thinking or mm-hmm. uh, saying. So, yeah. Yeah, a lot of the times they're even kind of um, like Rube Goldberg machines. Some of them are quite literally Rube Goldberg machines of mm. you knock one thing down and then it hits another thing. And Yes. Um, so, yeah, no, it's a... Uh, I think I just I really appreciate the attention... <clears throat> The attention to detail and all of the, all of the de- all the characters, props, and backgrounds and stuff. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. So I would assume Graham, you would recommend Ghost Trick, the Phantom Detective. Yes, that it's an easy nonico for me. Whoa, a nonico, eh? Yeah, it's like there's not there's nothing else that I I could give it, um, because it's just such a precious game to me like hmm. uh very kind of foundational like this is when i was getting into video games really like getting big yeah. well i had been into video games since like the game boy advance but this is when i was starting to you know buy more buy more of my own games so right and and and, and you were getting interested in like the de- literal design and the theory behind it <laughs> mm-hmm. right yeah. Yeah. Hmm. Yeah. yeah. I think uh, for me, I would, I would, yeah. I would, go for it. Yeah, I would recommend, I would recommend it as well. Um, I don't know that I would give it a Nanako. I think, I think I would probably give it. <clears throat> that's fair. Like that's a special case for me. I'll be honest. Yeah, for sure. Absolutely. Um, uh, I would say probably like a, a Naoto would be fair. Yeah. Um, it is a, it is a, a detective or a, or a Chie. Lynn reminds me a lot of Chie. Oh, yeah? Yeah, I think that to me a little bit. Uh, I'll go to Nato, but I would say um, it's definitely worth uh, a playthrough. Um, it is still available for iOS, to... so you can you can play it there. Yeah, maybe pick it up on your iPad. <laughs> I would, I would still fun. recommend if you can get a copy of the DS version, play it there, because it's it's wonder... built for that system. I wonder if it's available on the digital store for the 3DS. I I've never checked. Yeah. Yeah, but, but uh, uh, yeah, I would recommend picking it up. Um, yeah, it was nice to f- it was nice to play like a like I said before, like a proper mobile game. Yeah, it's straightforward. You know, you you get it done in a few days, or you know, however long it. Yeah. You can play for half an hour at a time, and then you know it's just a it's a solid story, yeah, uh, and solid yep. game, yeah, yeah. All right, and that's Ghost Trick. That is Ghost Trick. I'm glad uh, glad you got the chance to play it. Yeah, thank you for uh, suggesting it and lending it to me to play. So, um, yeah, well. Uh, I think next episode we're doing a more freeform episode where we just talk about games we've played recently. Mm-hmm. I always like I always like getting one of those episodes in there because it helps me to clear my memory of all the games I've played. And mm-hmm. I don't need to think about that for the podcast; just get it on my head. So, um, looking forward to that. And then we have a whole slew of games planned for the spring. Mm-hmm. Um, oh wait, did I just lie? Did we have a different game we're talking about? 
No, next week is uh next week is a um a just chatting stream. Oh, right. Right. Of, uh, and oh, then the week well, after. Or the, the episode after, right? It's or it's one or the other. We're <laughs> next week will either be a game or it'll be a recently played. Yeah, okay. Probably recently um, played looking at my schedule, but we'll get there. Yeah. Um but yeah, we've got lots of great games lined up. Uh games that I've been looking at playing for a while, some sequels in there that Graham and I have been looking to play. Mm-hmm. And uh, we're, of course, also ramping up for uh, the summer of Nintendo, mm-hmm. which will be here before you know it. So uh, lots of exciting things in the pipeline. Yeah. Um, yeah, but as always, thank you so much for listening. Uh, um, if you like the show, please let us know. Let your friends know. Help us grow. And uh, if you have any game suggestions, please do send them along. We really appreciate them. I think uh, we've got a couple of games coming up in the next few weeks that were suggestions um, from yeah. some of your colleagues, Graham. Uh, one from a friend of mine, I think. Well, one, he's mentioned it to me a lot, So, but you've also played it a lot. So, um, mm-hmm. yeah, we really appreciate like getting uh, people to suggest games for us um, because it allows us to kind of like, broaden our horizons, if you will, mm-hmm. and experience things that we wouldn't otherwise. So... Yeah, with that, I think I shall say good night. Yeah, have a good night. <laughs>